Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Short left footer, not going very far. Lawrence able to cut it off in front of Warsfold. He's come into the game since half-time. Big opening in the third quarter. Impressive statistics from the uh, Not Ruckman, 15 kicks. Taps it over to Allen as the siren goes now and the Hawks win. Well, it seems inevitable that the grand final will not be hosted at the traditional hallowed turf of the MCG this season since the Second World War that has only ever occurred on one occasion. Of course, back in 1991, when the grand final was shifted to Waverley Park in the outer southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, while the Great Southern Stand was being constructed at the MCG, greatly reducing the capacity, obviously. I can imagine it seemed eerie that day for the millions of people going through their grand final routine, but I wonder what it was like for the players that day. To help us answer that question, Stephen Lawrence, who played in the ruck in the 1991 Hawthorne Premiership team, joins us on the line. Thanks so much for your time, Stephen. Pleasure, uh, Damien. Good to be here. Well, did it feel eerie for you that day to play the grand final at Waverley in 1991 instead of the MCG and also for your teammates who were seasoned campaigners at the G on grand final day throughout the 80s? Well, for me, it was my one and only grand final, and so I hadn't played in other ones, but I had been to a number of grand finals Having you know, and watching them and knowing what it felt like, and it, it I must say, it didn't feel the same. Uh, probably, uh, certainly, you didn't have as many people there. It was, uh, I think, we had seventy-five thousand. It was quite a small by comparison. Uh, and of of course, the shape of the uh, of Waverley, the, the the grandstand sort of went out, so it didn't capture the same mm. sense of crowd. Um, but nevertheless, it was a grand final. All of <laughs> everything was at stake, um, and uh, so we were nervous, like we would normally be, and. It's true I had other players around me who played in a number of grand finals and so that did help a lot. But nevertheless it was it was uh, you know, it was the big it was the big time, so I was I was nervous and uh was exciting. Even though you had the fortune to play in a premiership team, do you feel somewhat cheated by fate in a way that the flag you played in was not at the MCG, or do you actually think the uniqueness of nineteen ninety one makes it even more special? I certainly don't feel cheated. I mean, it was a, an AFL premiership, which yeah. uh, is always going to be there. So that I don't feel in any way like it was less. I probably don't feel it was more special either at the same time. I mean, it would have been nice to play to the MCG in a grand final. But to me, it's, it's neither one or the other, to be honest. The fact is we won the premiership, yeah. especially against the odds, to be, on, to be honest, that year. And um, so I'm just extremely grateful to have been part of it. You were a young ruckman at the time. Tell us about the lead-up to the match that morning. Did you all meet up at Glen Ferry and then make the long trek out to Waverley, or did you venture out yourself? Yeah, no, we didn't do that. We um, made our own way to the ground. Uh, Joycey was always pretty keen to telephone the players the night before just to make sure everything was okay and no one was sick or whatever. Uh, so he you know, he would make it like a two-minute phone call. It was very short. Um, I actually stayed uh, at my, um, my girlfriend's family's uh, place that night. Um, 
and uh, and then drove out by myself as we normally would do. So I think I think the club was keen to make it as um, as normal as possible, so as to not you know unduly raise the stress levels or whatever. Uh, so I drove out I drove out the 25 minute drive and parked and walked into the ground and pretty normal in that way. Probably arrived about midday. Uh, the game started at what 2:30 I think that that day. Um, mm. You know, of course, the nerves are amazingly high, but after 10 minutes of the match or 15 minutes, it's another match, and, and then you've just got to try and win it, you know. Did you like playing at Waverley? I actually did. Um, I, I lived only 15 minutes away, so from, in terms of getting there, it was always easy, just straight down the freeway. Mm. Um, but also, the ground was large. It was, at that stage, the largest ground in the league, and uh, so a lot of open spaces. I think we recovered better as a result every week. Mm. Um, the surface was magnificent. The, you know, there was a, there was never any soggy bits. It was always a good, good, good surface. Um, and yeah, we played a lot of games there. So I really did like playing there. I felt that we certainly had a home ground advantage, which is probably why there's a good argument. I know we're not a question necessarily, but a good argument for the Perth teams to get one over their side, <laughs> or even you know one of the this year. I don't know, but certainly it's an advantage to have a home ground, home ground um, feel for sure. We're speaking with 1991 Hawthorne Premiership Ruckman Stephen Lawrence. There was the media moniker at the time which labelled the Hawks too old and too slow in 1991. And you mentioned before that you were the underdogs coming in. How confident did you feel as a team under Alan Joyce that you could defeat West Coast in that game, given they won their first 13 straight matches that year? Yeah, I think they were... Well, look, we we did have older players, uh, and that was why it came about. We had Tucky and, you know... Uh, Mui and and people like that, Ezzy, uh, who were sort of towards the end, of, like at the end of their career. Um, but we still had a lot of young players who were on the way up. In terms of the actual, um, I, w- I was confident. I was very confident that we would win. Uh, we, we had West Coast was by far and away um, ahead, ahead of it three quarters of the way through the season, and we went over to Perth to play their, um, you know, game in Perth about three or four weeks before the end of the season. And we knew that we were up against it. But we went there with a mission to to think, well, let's just see if we can really get close to them. And when we, we didn't win, but we came we came back thinking, you know, if, if there's a first home Perth final, which did eventuate, you know, all the talk was the first time there'd be a Perth home final um, for the for the Eagles. If we went back there, we, we, we were confident we could beat them. And so we did that in the qualifying. Yeah. We went over there. And against all odds, we actually had a very solid win. And so, you know, in the course of the weeks of the finals, we knew that if we played them again, which we did, we would be in a very good position. And uh, that's, how, that's how it eventuated. So I felt very confident that we could win. I mean, they were an excellent side and they ended up winning a couple of premierships, you know, in the years that followed. But on that particular day, I, I knew we were in a very solid chance. You mentioned before about the preparation and the nerves. What about when you ran onto the ground? I think the capacity, as you said, was about seventy-five to 77,000 there at Waverley that day, even though there were far less than 100,000 spectators in attendance. Did it still feel like 100,000 fans when they roared? Yeah, yeah. the roar, the roar was huge. Uh, you run on the ground and, um, you know, it's a grand final. The crowd is massive. Um, the roar is huge. There's all the nerves about, you know, who you're playing, what possibilities, what could happen, how is it going to go? And, and then, then, of course, then the, the bounce happens and, and you get into it and, and, the, and the game uh, plays out. Um, but in, in the anticipation, there is a sense of extraordinary excitement, fear, um, trepidation, 
you know, wonder how's it all going to go. And, and you, you do want to soak it up. Uh, and I, I did try to do that. I'm not sure if I did it as well as I could have. But, you know, you want to soak up the fact that this is a unique experience. Um, and uh, obviously, for the remainder of my career, I never played in another grand final. I did play a few finals, but um, that opportunity to play in a grand final didn't come again. So that was my one and only. And, yeah, it worked out the right way in the end, thankfully. How did you assess your performance that day with 21 disposals playing on Dean Irving in the ruck? You seemed to really come into the game in the second half just as the Hawks asserted their dominance. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I thought I played a good second quarter as well. Um, yeah. we, we were down, as you like, by I think nine points at quarter time and probably would clawed back a little bit of, a, uh, a little bit of um, the lead that they had from the beginning of the game, which was we blew out very quickly. Um, but in the in, at halftime, we were 10 points up. So in the second quarter, we kind of, I think, got on top really in the second quarter. Uh, and then the third quarter, we were still only 10 points up at three-quarter time. So even though we felt that we were in a very good position at three-quarter time, it still was only 10 points. And then we smashed them in the end. Um, I thought my second and third quarters were very good, as, and, the, and the third and the fourth as well. Yeah, I felt. I mean, I did have a very good game. There's no question. I, you know, took ten marks, um, yeah. had 21 possessions, something like that. You know, and I was, I was obviously one of our, our better players. Um, it was, you know, for me, it was a delight. I was happy to. I, I was, I think, I was given the uh, player of the finals and, and won a watch and whatever uh, from being best on ground in Perth the previous time. They did rotate through the ruck. It wasn't just Irving. We had Jakovic and. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, another guy, I forget his name, who's in the back in the back back line. So we did have we were dominating really the the clearances for most of the game. I mean, we were amazing on ballers, Ben Allen, Johnny Platten, you know, guys like that, Pritchard and, and Anthony Condon. I think had 28 possessions that day. Mm. He was the biggest um, possession winner for us. So we, you know, we we got the ball first use of the ball. We had amazing midfielders to sort of move it down and Dunstall kick six and. Uh, Brereton kicked four, so you know, and and Paul Deere had a magnificent mm. game, very deserving of the you know of the of the medal. So, look, we had an amazing team, and and players like some of the players who played in several premierships, like Tucky played in seven, you know, he 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 had a quiet day by his standards, but they were still around, and their wisdom was present, and you know they did the odd things and Mew and play, players like that. But really, it was largely speaking, I think the young guys' day. Uh, I mean, obviously Dermot and. and um, Jason were very big contributors for goals. But um, I think the 91 grand final is a little bit like the forgotten one because of the 90s, the 80s sort of era with the Hawks. Um, mm. And a lot of those guys played in the same one. Some of us who only played in the one are like, well, hold on, what about this one? Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I'm, looking forward to next, I'm looking forward to next year uh, because it's the 30th anniversary of the 91 grand final. And, and I think that it'll be good to sort of Give some kudos to some of those guys who only played in the one one grand final. Hopefully, Stephen, you will be able to catch up in a reunion setting because of the coronavirus pandemic. And for a lot of premiership players, that's the highlight, isn't it? The reunions later on down the track when you can reflect. So for your sake, you must be really hoping that you'll be able to catch up with those guys. Yeah, I really do hope so. Um, I do catch up with a number of them now. Uh, I lived overseas and interstate for nearly 10 years, so I sort of lost a lot of contact, but in the last sort of eight to 10 years have been really renewing those contacts. Mm. I, I really, and I enjoy, like I'm a life member, so I, lo- I really go to the, um, I really enjoy the life members lunch every year and things like that and going to the president's dinners and, you know, my, my kids and I, I've got six kids and they're all Hawk fans and 
we get to a lot of games normally, uh, mostly at the G, probably go to sort of six or ten games a year. Um, so I'm very involved still uh, and love to be part of it. And, you know, a handful of the players I'm still quite close to. So I, I, do, I do hope that we can have a physical reunion yeah. <laughs> and not just a Zoom one. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. You'd be one of the first Zoom reunions. Maybe this year there'll be a few others, but <laughs> it'd be amazing. It could be another first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 91 was a first. <laughs> <laughs> a grand yeah. final at Waverley and a reunion on Zoom. Uh, can't, you can't get better Not than that. Not quite the same, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're speaking with 1991 Hawthorne Premiership Ruckman Steve Lawrence here on SEN. Just a few more before I let you go. You mentioned before that it was a slow start for the Hawks. Did you feel a little concerned at the start of the game given the Eagles kicked, I think, the first four goals, albeit Peter Subic received a few free kicks against Chris Langford? Was there any worry early or did you feel you would eventually ease into the game as a team? <laughs> yeah, the, poor Langers, because all the players have a crack at him about, you know, going, I'm being on drugs almost. Because, I mean, it wasn't on drugs, but just like big going <laughs> ballistic and pushing pushing Sumich, uh, you know, in the back, quite clearly being pumped, you know. And um, so he kicked two goals, I think, within two or three minutes. And then we were four, we were four goals down within a few, I don't know how long, quick, it was just a short time. I don't know. I didn't really feel worried. Uh, I, I did. I did sense that they were, you know, really coming out quick and getting goals in the board. That, that put pressure on us. But we did claw back, and by quarter time, we were only nine points, as I mentioned, down. So already we'd calmed the storm a bit, and uh, and then we just from that time, I think we really did get on top um, and had asserted our authority. I think by half time, even though we we're only ten points up, we, I felt that we were really well and truly placed to run over the top of them in the second half, which which is what happened eventually. So, look, they were an excellent team and um, we were we were a very, very good team and, and had some amazing players right across the board. And so, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't really worry at that moment, but I can imagine why. You tend to worry a lot more when you're watching a game than when you're playing it, which is a strange feeling. You know, I know now when I'm watching my kids or whatever and playing footy or, you know, supporting the Hawks, I get worked up in a way that I, you never do when you're playing. You, yeah. you can do... You can actually do something about it when you're on the field, whereas when you're watching, you're much more nervous because you can't do anything about it. Just, yeah, uh, that's so. exactly right. And tell us about Paul Deere's game that day. He won the Norm Smith Medal, as you mentioned. Do you think he's somewhat underrated as a player when looking back in history? Oh, um, I think that that game and was was outstanding. He just certainly deserved to win the medal and um, to win the Norm Smith and. I mean, he was just unstoppable and he took 11 marks or something and uh, 26 possessions at centre-half forward, you know. Uh, I remember when I first arrived at Hawthorne in January 87 and we were training at Scotch College and I saw this guy with the most unusual build, like really solid legs mm. and, and not real tall, but like 6'2 or something, but he could really run. And I thought to myself, gee, if that guy really got going, he'd be amazing because he's so unusual sort of, to be able to be matched. And I think he did show that. Uh, look, it's true. We, we have this thing, because of Hawthorne's 80s dominance and because we had some very big personalities uh, and very successful players who still maintain presence in the media, but yeah. it's a bit like to the victor goes the history, you know. So there's, there, are, there, are sh- there are people who continually shape the perspective. Um, and so guys like Deary, I think, probably don't get the kind of credit that he should have. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, because there are guys who were playing in five or seven premierships. I mean, how do you beat that? Mm. Um, so even though he was certainly and is among Hawthorne supporters, very, very highly esteemed as having been a very, very good player and 
outstanding in that in that period. Um, naturally, he's not going to get the same prominence because he's not having played, you know, in a whole series of premierships. But I don't think he's under under praised. Um, mm. It's just that there's, there's this, you know, it's just sort of a shorter period of of glory, I guess. So um, yeah, but he he was he was unstoppable. I think taking marks out, you know, balls out of the centre like throw in and then kicking goals and doing things like that. It was uh, it was remarkable. Former Hawthorne Premiership Ruckman Stephen Lawrence joining us here on SEN. You mentioned you'd like playing at Waverley. Do you think there is a case that the AFL shouldn't have removed Waverley as a venue? Oh, look, I think the transport issue was a massive one. Yeah. Uh, and unless they were going to make a train station go out there, uh, you know, it was never really viable uh, you know, drive. You had, everyone had to drive there to get there, so that was a problem. Uh, as an actual venue, was amazing, but I could see the logic of moving it into this. You know, moving that other, you know, other field into the into this into the city. Um, so look, you know, as a venue, as an actual um, stadium, and as a, as a surface, it was really extraordinary, and often often much better than the MCG during that period. If you remember, there was quite a lot of Mm. Um, injuries with knees and things like that, and there was a lot of muddy patches at the MCG. They didn't have the the same uh, drainage in the ground, whereas when they built Waverley, they really did that well, and the surface was outstanding. If you stood at one end of the ground and looked at, if I was standing on one goalpost and Dunstall standing on the other, yeah. I could only see his head. I couldn't see the rest <laughs> of his body because there was this quite quite a big uh, you know uh, curve over the ground, and then it would just. So I think you know the surface was outstanding, but I can see how, you know, the logic from a business point of view that really they needed to move move it into a, the city. Um, so yeah, I I wouldn't push the argument too strongly that Waverley should have been kept. How did you celebrate that night after the 1991 Grand Final with people like Dermot holding court? Did you go out back into the city or did you stay out at Waverley after the game like a lot of the players do these days at the G? They go onto the ground after the match and just soak it up in an empty atmosphere. How did you guys celebrate? Yeah, we had it. I mean, I think we had a few different things over the course of the weekend. I, I was exhausted, so it wasn't, you know... Um, it was probably in the days following that you could really enjoy it and let your hair down a bit because, um, you know, there was no training to go to and all that. Um, I had to consider also a tribunal um, appearance on the Tuesday. The <laughs> elbow, for, wasn't um, it? Peter, well, Peter Matera headbutted my elbow. I don't know if you remember seeing that. Yeah. And I think he should have got. I think he should have got the five that I got. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so no. Look, it was it was. Um, we had a dinner that night. We also went back to Glen Ferry um, to you know uh, over the Sunday as well, and sort of our, a lot of our fans came there. So there was opportunities to really thank them for their great support and you know all of that. I think there was those really important moments, very kind of community feeling. I think it's a you know we I think the clubs try hard to do that now, but it's not as easy to do because it's a lot more you know. Uh, formal and um, you know they've got to find they've got to really work harder to sort of make people feel that they are in a community you know in the same way that it's quite different now I think than 30 years ago but um, we did that we had you know those kind of celebrations and the players were together and you know there was it's funny that at the time I didn't used to drink I didn't used to drink much at all and um, mm. there was I there was a photograph on the Sunday of me 
looked like I was sculling a huge <laughs> bottle of champagne. And that, that photograph appeared, I think, two or three times in the same week. It was like It was literally one swig, and I'm thinking, hold on a second, you're making me look like an absolute <laughs> a drunk. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, there were those sort of funny things. Uh, I, I think just the sense of having um, achieved it and the relief, really, at the end of what was a very long, you know, season where we sort of caught up and, you know, it was glorious. And a lot of guys, it was pretty normal. A lot of the, those half the team or three quarters of the team had played in several grand finals and played premierships. And so I just, it just felt like, oh, well, this is what you do when you're at Hawthorne, you win premierships most of the time. And, and, uh, but that was to be the last for some time until the new, the, the great Hawk era of recent, you know, the last decade. So, or the last decade and a bit. So yes, it's, it's uh the celebration was probably muted because I think I was exhausted. <laughs> but I think a lot of I think a lot of guys, you know, you know, let their hair down substantially. Let's say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A lot of guys used to work back in those days too, as well as playing football. We're speaking with 1991 Hawthorne Premiership ruckman Steve Lawrence. Just three more before I let you go. Many players today are pushing yeah, no. through this season despite obvious external challenges. You played at Hawthorne yeah. at a time when the club was struggling financially with that proposed merger alongside Melbourne in 1996. What advice would you give to yeah. players today in regards to staying focused when there's external pressure surrounding a footy club? Yeah, great great question. And I remember the time it was quite destabilising, all the talk you know, among the board and the different media stuff going on. It was sort of came to a head. I wasn't that aware of it, I must say, until sort of towards the latter part of that season. Um, and then there was all the board, you know, the discussions of boards and things at the um, annual general meetings. And it became big news and there was quite a bit of tension. Mm. Um, so that, that, and we hadn't had a great season, which doesn't help either. And um, so I think the the main thing is, I think for players, I mean, this time they've, they've got the very different kind of challenge. I think it would be extremely difficult, particularly for family guys on one level to be having to deal with family life in, in the hub, you know, um, and uh, I think that's probably been a big factor for some of the clubs not being not playing in the same way that they might be expected to. Um, I also think for single guys um, and the younger guys, they might be a little bit more fun and maybe, uh, you know, probably dealing with it a little bit better. That would be a bit of a guess. I'm not sure. Some of them might not. But I would say the really important thing is to make sure that they have people to talk to. They're able to sort of really um, make a bit of a normal routine so they can stabilise life, as, make it as normal as they can, even though it's a very abnormal year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, AFL footy is an abnormal kind of reality now. It's very bubble, very bubblish, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So the, the the likes of not not work, not ha- not having work uh, or being present to, your, you know, families and things like that, for especially for interstaters, is, makes it harder to be kind of grounded. Um, and I think there's a whole lot, because of the intensity and because of the lots of money, uh, and because the demands are so exclusive on your time, mm-hmm. it's very hard for players to not identify themselves. Their whole personality is to be identified as being a player, as yeah. being a footballer. So it's part of the problem why when players finish, even if they do play for 10 years or whatever, they're, they're left feeling empty and like, I'm nobody because I'm no longer the footballer. That's yeah. my identity. So I think having other interests, other uh, responsibilities, looking long-term, um, and mixing with normal people as much as normal people, if you know what I mean, um, yeah, yeah. you know, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply on a very basic level, uh, is very, very important. Uh, and so I think the hub probably accentuates the problem mm. because it's a bubble within a bubble. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not sort of inside it, so I can't really comment directly, but that's my impression. From- Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. A bit of an outside perspective. Um, so I think they've got to find ways of remaining grounded and keeping themselves low-key and having, you know, having a lot of fun. They look like they're having a lot of fun, but I think there's probably a fair bit of soul-searching going on in dark dark moments, uh, which is where they need to be able to have people to talk to and things like that. That would be my advice would be make sure you're not alone interiorly, you know, if yeah. there was one thing I'd say that. Yeah, those are good points you make. And as I let you go, a lot of Hawthorne supporters have fond memories of you. What are you up to these days in life after footy? Okay, well, uh, so I have, um, as I mentioned, six kids. Uh, so my youngest is 14, oldest 22. So my big, my wife Annie and I have a, you know, a lot of time for our family. I'm four of them into state at the moment, actually. One's yeah. about to be married. Uh, I have my own business. I've got a leadership business of consulting and speaking and um, coaching, um, mainly for Catholic leaders, which is my have a ministry and background and education. Um, so my work is really a lot faith-based and that kind of thing so i'm really loving it i've been nearly three years doing that it's taken me a bit of time to get my feet off the ground but the last probably two years year and a half two years it's really going well and yeah i feel like i'm really in my sweet spot so i'm very very happy even though we're in the middle of this very weird year i still manage still going okay so thank thank god for that (laughs) yeah Uh, Good on you, Steve. Really appreciate your time reminiscing, given it is a unique year and a unique season AFL-wise with players playing interstate in hubs and playing a grand final outside of Melbourne since you've been through. I know it's not a similar experience, but it's different to the norm, uh, playing a grand final at Waverley and all of the struggles that Hawthorne had in the 90s while you were playing the game. You'd have a very unique insight, and we appreciate you providing that here on SEN tonight. All the best for the future, mate. My pleasure, Damien. Thanks for having me on the program. It's great. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.